Hey, this is Brandon Emma Richardson, and we are the pastors here at Slate Church based in Waterloo, Ontario, and this is our Sunday podcast. We really hope this message inspires you to lean into all that God has for you. If you would like to get connected with us, follow us on social media or go to slatechurch.com. And hey, it helps us a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Join us for today's message. Hello, Slate Church. It's good to see you. Uh, if I haven't met you and you're joining us today, you're just checking us out online. My name is Brandon and I'm the lead pastor here alongside my wife, Emma. And it's really good to have you. It's really good that you've been able to tune in. And uh, I pray that our time together will be a blessing to you and that you'll learn something new about, uh, about uh, who Jesus is and, and why, we, um, why we gather around his teachings and and uh, accept what he's done for us and try to live out of that reality. And, and my hope is that you can understand that more as, uh, as we spend our, some time together today. Um, for those that are tuning in uh, from Elmira, just want to welcome you. Those that are tuning in uh, online want to welcome you. Uh, Coburg, Cambridge, it's so good to see you guys. And it's always an honor to um, be able to speak to you. And uh, I'm, I'm uh, excited because we're going back into the book of Matthew. We just come out of a great season uh, called that we, we called A Deeply Formed Life. And A Deeply Formed Life was our way of analyzing what does it look like to make sure that we remain in Jesus. We spend a life not just consuming Jesus things, but we actually spend a life um, thinking and, and being with Jesus and uh, thinking like Him, uh, trying to observe uh, his, uh, his, the things that he said and, and all the rest. And so, it, you know, during that time, it was a great time to learn some new ways which can equip us to walk out uh, our faith with him. And so that was a great season, but we get to jump back into the book of Matthew. And we're jumping back into the book of Matthew uh, because this is what we do between uh, seasons where we have series of talks uh, that we go, to, go through together. We're about to uh, go into another um, great series uh, of talks, not next week, but the week after that. And uh, for the next two weeks, we're going to be going through, I believe, the book of Matthew. At least that's what I'm doing here today. And uh, I like going through the book of Matthew because I've spent a lot of time in the book of Matthew uh, throughout my life. And it's been throughout my life that I've, I've continually come back to the book of Matthew that has allowed me in different situations to begin to um, uh, frame the, the situation I find myself in or frame the, the um, dilemma I find myself in in terms of how God would approach it or would, how he would have me approach it. And Matthew um, is, is a, a, great, a great book on uh, who Jesus is. It's a, it's a gospel account. It's a biographical account of who Jesus is. And it tells us a lot about what he said and what he did. And there's so much that can be applied to our lives. Now, as we go through the book of Matthew's in between series, I want to remind you that this is a great time to actually pull out a notebook, um, to pull out a phone, try to store those notes uh, in the same place. Because as we go through the book of Matthew, the goal here is to understand more deeply what some of us have read for many years and for some of us, what we're beginning to know today. And by taking different notes, we'll actually be able to look back on these as a commentary on the book of Matthew, a commentary which is just to say a deeper understanding of what's happening within the text. And so I'm going to read today, we're going to um, tackle uh, Matthew chapter 3 verses 1 
through 12. And I'm gonna read it out to start. And then after I'm done reading it out, we're going to unpack it together. And so I encourage you to, uh, to read along. In Matthew chapter three, verse one, it says this. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. Spoiler alert, he's talking about Jesus, even though Jesus won't arrive on the scene again in our passage today, um, John the Baptist is referring to his cousin, Jesus. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair and he had a leather belt uh, around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from all of Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptized, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think that you can say to yourselves, We have... Uh, Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hands, in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the shaft with unquenchable fire. Okay, we're going to jump into this right after I pray and just begin to understand a little bit more about what John the Baptist was doing during this time period before Jesus started his ministry and what this can mean for our lives today. So why don't we pray? Jesus, I thank you for your, your word. I thank you for the, the gospel of Matthew, and I thank you that as we walk through it, there's just so much that we can learn from it. God, I pray that as we spend time uh, together in your word and as we've read, uh, just, just read out a portion of scripture, for some of us, it's uh, the most we've read scripture uh, this past week. And I pray that, God, it would be nourishing to our souls as we just hear it and a reminder that, uh, that you call us to repentance. God, I pray that you would open us up in new and fresh ways, ways that wouldn't just um, fill our heads with more knowledge, but actually allow us to uh, live out um, live out uh, your reality in this world that we live in. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, you know, just a great reminder. Anytime I talk to the online crew, I just always want to remind you, make sure you're watching together. You know, right now, uh, you, you, might, uh, you might be watching alone and maybe that's because you're homesick or something like that from services in Waterloo, or maybe there's an extenuating circumstance. But what our goal is as a church is to make sure that people are gathering together to watch um, and the, the body of Christ, even though you, you call Slate Church home, it's really good to gather people around and uh, to, to allow God to begin to form amongst the community that you find yourself in um, uh, and, and, uh, and to speak truth uh, collectively. This is not an individual religion apart from all others. It, uh, we don't follow um, the, the, the world's view of autonomy and human autonomy in, in, its, in its purest form, so to speak. Uh, we actually belong uh, not only to ourselves, but we also belong to the family of God. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're watching alone, just continue to send out invites, invite people in. And I just guarantee you that your experience 
of doing church online uh, for either this season or maybe this is uh, where you call home right now. Uh, it'll just be richer and uh, it'll be more uh, of what God has intended for his church uh, as you do so. So um, I just wanted to remind you, that, uh, remind you of that. And uh, I want to jump right in. I want to jump right into what, what is going on here. Who's John the Baptist? What is he doing? I mentioned earlier that John the Baptist uh, was actually Jesus' cousin. John the Baptist was actually the first, uh, was, was one of the only people within Scripture that we uh, understand to have been uh, filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born. I mean, just a special guy that actually spent his entire ministry preparing the way for Jesus. And what we read is that, uh, is that in those days, John the Baptist came uh, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, um, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. Now, what we have to understand in this is that uh, John goes out into the wilderness. Now, the crowd that, that both Matthew and John, Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience and John is actually largely reaching a Jewish audience, they would be mindful as they go to the wilderness that this is going outside of their home, so to speak. The Israelites, the Jewish people, were brought into the promised land and that was being brought out of the wilderness. The wilderness um, was, a, was a significant place for the Jewish people because they had spent 40 years in the wilderness after 400 years of slavery after they um, decided to not trust in God's ability to bring them into this new land after they came out of slavery. So for 40 years, they spent in the wilderness, they spent in the desert, the very place that John is baptizing them, they had to cross over in order to go into the land that God had promised them. Now this was, this was like many, many years, a thousand years before this, a, a, a couple of thousand years before this, okay? Um, I'm getting my timelines a little mixed up because it's not that relevant to our text today. But as I go back, um, John is, is baptizing in the very river that they had to cross over. The very river in which um, uh, God commanded Joshua, who had led them across the Jordan River, to take out uh, 12 stones representing the 12 um, tribes of Israel, to take them out, and that when the children asked, what are these stones here for? That they could actually say, uh, the reason these stones are here is because of God's goodness. And these are all the things that God did. So just picture this. There's all these Jewish people going out to be baptized by John the Baptist. And he's preaching a message of repentance. And they're going back to a place that they crossed over. And as they go back to that place, they are reminded of God's goodness and reminded of his saving ability. That is what is conjured up in the Israelites, uh, the Israelite people's minds as they go out to see John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist's message is very clear. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repentance. What is this word, repentance? Repentance is a, 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 a very loaded word. It's a word that we don't really like so much in um, our modern day society because it actually means turning from something. And turning from something is easier said than done. But it's, it's repenting in your mind. It's changing your mind about something. And the physical um, uh, imagery that we could get when, when we're talking about uh, repentance is actually doing a 180 degree and, uh, and, and actually heading in the opposite direction in which you've come from. And so rather than continuing to head in the direction that you're going, it's repenting and saying, listen, I'm going to head in the opposite direction into a better direction. Now, John is specifically calling people to repent into the direction of God. 
Okay, so C.S. Lewis, great writer. Many of us would attribute the Chronicles of Narnia to him, and um, he has a space trilogy that he also wrote. He's a great children's author. He's also a phenomenal um, theologian, guy that wrote a lot about, um, uh, uh, about Christianity and faith and the Bible and scriptures. And uh, one of the things he says is that progress is only progress if we're headed in the right direction. And right now what we have in our society is a lot of people that are pursuing progress. We want to see progress in our society. We want to see progress in our lives. We want to see progress in our families. We want to see progress in the world we find ourselves in. C.S. Lewis rightly points out that progress is only progress if we're headed in the right direction. So um, the, the most progressive thing we can sometimes do if, when we realize that we're headed in the wrong direction is to make an about turn and head in a different direction. John is saying that very thing. Listen, you need to repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. What we need to understand is that Jesus is not just a, a good idea. He's not just a moral teacher. He's not just somebody, you know, one of the most famous um, figures in history. He's not, he, he's not only those things. Of course, that's what a lot of people would see him as. But Jesus is the one, he, he is both the creator of the universe um, and, and the one that paid a price to bring our souls back into relationship with him. His sole purpose was to come to, to, to die a sinner's death and pay a sinner's penalty so that we as sinners could receive the penalty that he paid for and be brought back in relationship with God. That is, that is essentially Jesus' main reason for coming to earth. And what John is doing is he's actually saying, listen, you need to repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And the only way that we can actually find ourselves in a healthy relationship with God and in fact an intact whole relationship with God is by repenting before him. And this is why John, in the very start of his message, says, listen, this is, you, you might have a, a lot of different ideas about who God is, but the thing that you need to know is that you need to repent in order to be a part of this kingdom. It goes on to say, uh, uh, this is he, Matthew is saying, this is he, speaking of John the Baptist, who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. Okay, Isaiah is a... Um, uh, is both a, uh, a book of the Bible, but it's also he was also a prophet, one who foretold the, the, the warnings of God and, uh, and, and the, the things that God was going to do uh, to the nation of Israel. And he wrote this a long time ago, but he was writing it about John the Baptist. So Matthew is recalling this and telling us more about John the Baptist. He said, this is who John, ba John the Baptist is, according to Isaiah. He is a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord, who we would, uh, in just in another chapter, realize is Jesus. Make straight paths for him. Th this is what John's whole existence is. He is the, he is the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He is there to, to, to lay the path and to create a way for people to understand who, uh, who uh, 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 Jesus actually is. This is really interesting to know because out of this understanding of making, uh, prepare a way for the Lord, make straight paths for him, uh, 
when we read through things like this, it just seems like a bunch of riddles, right? Like as we're reading through this gospel, we're like, okay, like there's a lot of stuff. Repent for the kingdom. Like what is the kingdom of heaven? And, and, and this is the community and the church in which Jesus is setting up, okay? And this is he who has spoken to, who's the prophet Isaiah? And then we go into a prophecy that Isaiah uh, encountered. And was, as we're reading through it, if we don't take greater time with scripture, we actually miss out on some of even just the the, the the things that, that are so embedded within Scripture that the original audience would have just known as they, as they heard Matthew writing about John the Baptist through Isaiah. This is, this is many layers deep. But another layer of depth to add to this is that the initial audience, when they're hearing this, would have known what Matthew was writing about and why he included Isaiah in this passage. And it's because King Solomon, who was one of the kings that, uh, of the Jewish people, uh, many years before this instance, uh, he actually created some 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 of the first road systems to Jerusalem, so that on his pilgrimages, so that this king that was noble and was used to luxury and the lifestyle and all the rest, that as he was headed to Jerusalem or out from Jerusalem, that he would actually be, have a, have a clear path in front of him. Uh, roads during this time were largely just like. Um, trodden pathways through hardened dirt and uh, hardened landscape. Like there were, there were kind of pathways in which animals would find their way through. They weren't, they weren't roads that we know about today. And therefore, King Solomon established some of these roadways to and from Jerusalem so that he would have an easier way going back and forth, preparing the way for the king. Now, what would happen is that local inhabitants would come and they would, when they heard that the king was either leaving or he, or he was coming to Jerusalem, what they would do is they would go out and prepare the road because again, the road wasn't asphalt. It was, it was a bunch of stones put together and they would go and prepare the way for the king as he was coming into or leaving Jerusalem. So this is what John the Baptist, Isaiah is saying John the Baptist has come from. Matthew is including this within his story of Jesus because he's saying, listen, this is what John the Baptist is doing for the king of the universe as he is making a flat way for people to understand who Jesus is. He's preparing the way, but this time he's not, he's not just pre preparing the way for luxury. He's not just preparing the way for earthly power. He's not just preparing the way for um, a, 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 you know, a, a, an individual's uh, ego. No, John the Baptist is preparing the way for the ultimate authority for God himself. He's preparing men's, men and women's hearts for this king to dwell inside of them and to bring them into a better future. John the Baptist is not just preparing the way in, in, in a physical sense for some earthly power. No, he's preparing a way in a spiritual sense for, a, for an ultimate authority, Jesus himself. Now let's hear about how he does this because um, we might assume that such a high calling would require um, uh, such a high calling to prepare the way for Jesus, the Messiah, Savior of the world, Creator of the world, would would require a level of um, professionalism that we don't actually see within John. It says that John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. Now, I mean. Uh, 
I mean, John's there to prepare the way for Jesus. I'm Jesus, and I, I, I mean, I dressed up better on my way to like hockey games as a teenager. I always remember um, the first time that I went from like playing house league to um, rep hockey or all-star hockey. I think all-star sounds actually a little bit better. But um, that transition was pretty significant because I remember I had to go buy a suit. And of course, I'm a young teenager. I was, I don't know, maybe 11, 12, 13. And uh, at the time, I didn't own a suit. And so I remember going to probably Value Village and I found this like super oversized coat. And man, I thought that I was, I was decked out. I thought that I was looking so good. And this is a way that we'd show up to hockey games. And sometimes it's just so interesting to me how we have such a high view of certain things in our lives. And then here, we're, here we have John the Baptist and he's literally wearing clothes made of camel's hair and had a leather belt around his waist. And what he was eating was locusts which are large grasshoppers, uh, I kind of did this, I hope they're not that big, uh, and, and wild honey. Now, for the, the, the Jewish people that are coming up to see him, they're going to know that this is, this is um, what he's wearing is not uncommon for those that spend time out in the wilderness. I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. And what he was eating was not uncommon for the, what people in the desert were eating. But one thing that we should take note of is that these weren't, uh, clothing, uh, clothing choices, and they weren't food choices of the elite uh, during this time. In fact, they were the clothing choices and the food choices of the more impoverished people. I, I want to point this out because in terms of those who, um, there's so many of us that are watching right now, and, and it would be an honor to be used by God. It, I know for a lot of us, it's, it, we're going like, man, I would love to be used by God, but, I'm, but I find myself in a position where I'm just not yet at that place where I think God could use me. Either I don't know about, enough about him or I, I don't look the part, I don't, I don't smile enough, you know. Some of these images that we apply to like years and years of, of, of Western Christianity where, where it's just the cleanest and the most well put together and those that live in high castles that, that can, can be used by God. But but what we actually see through John is that the very person that was there to prepare a way for the Savior of the world, the Creator of the world to come, did not espouse a lot of the things that our teachers of scriptures espouse today. In fact, what he espoused was that of a lowly life. If you feel like you live a lowly life, or you feel like you live an insignificant life, or you feel like somehow you can't play the part in preparing the way for Jesus for others, in this world that we live in, I have good news for you today. And it's that Jesus uses, quote unquote, the foolish things of the world, as he says within scripture, to shame the wise. He uses the lowly things in the world to shame those who think highly of themselves. And I wanna encourage you, as it's been an encouragement to me, is that all you need to do is be willing to partner yourself with God in preparing a way for Jesus and humble yourself, and God will use you to do that. In fact, I think that there are people here right now that you just think that you're not smart enough. You don't think that people have paid enough attention to you. Maybe you're not the oldest, so you've never, um, you, you've actually never seen yourself as, as the one that takes initiative. I don't know what is holding you back, but what I do know is that there's nothing that disqualifies you from partnering with God and preparing a way for Jesus in the hearts of men and women that, that live around you. And it doesn't take a good suit to impress God or to prepare the hearts of those that are around you for what God wants to do in them. It only takes an obedience and a humility to be used by God. So, this is what John looked like. This is what he ate. 
And it says that people went out to him from Jerusalem and in Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Now, this is really fascinating, and this is a shift that takes place within the Christian faith. Again, this message today is really deep, and I'm, I'm, this is like a fire hose. I'm giving like all of it to you at once. It, it's, it's, it's bringing back images of my fire hydrant outside of my, the first house that we built, and one day I woke up, and it's just spouting. It's like it, can be, it can't be contained, and somebody had to come and like fix it and all the rest. Like I know this is a lot, but if you can, can write down as much as you can, if you, the, all of this is significant in the depths in which Jesus comes into the, into the world. The, this is not, uh, the, the Bible is not an insignificant text. It is not an old text that is unrelatable to our world today. It is deeply enmeshed in the fabric of humanity and in the story of, of, of uh, from creation to where we find ourselves right now. This is the story not of, of an alternative idea of how to live out your life. This is the story about how to live out your life. This is the story of Jesus Christ. And so it's interesting that the Jewish people are coming out to be baptized by John because this has never happened before. Uh, baptism for the Jewish people is, has never happened before. Baptism was for Gentiles, which were essentially non-Jews. And the Gentiles would be baptized in order to be brought into the family of God. Before Jesus ever came on the scene, God used the Israelites and the Jewish people as a vehicle to bring about Jesus and ultimately his salvation to all of humanity. Now, as the vehicle, people could still join the family of God by being baptized into the nation of Israel. So all of a sudden we have Jewish people that are being baptized and this is this is just has never happened. Something is shifting on this the, the spiritual uh, landscape of the world during this time and John the Baptist is at the forefront of baptizing, calling people to repentance and pointing them towards the Messiah who we will find out in just a few verses is Jesus. And it's interesting because a, a Gentile's baptism into the, uh, in, into the family of God would look like bathing and it would often be in still waters. It would look like circumcision for the, uh, for the males in the family and it would look like sacrifice from the head of the household. Now, baptism for Gentile people is unique because it was the only part that a family, the entire family got to take part in as they entered into the family of God, as they entered into the Jewish people. Now listen, for, for the, the, the uh, one thing that you need to understand with Gentile baptism is that whole families will be baptized into the family of God. And so the baptism part, the bathing part, the cleansing of their sin uh, as they entered into the family of God, that's something that they all got to take part in. But then again, the, the circumcision, it was only for the males. And then when it came to uh, sacrifice, it was only the head of that household that would go do it. And so baptism is this really interesting thing where already the Gentiles know that this is for everyone. But for the Jews, they are now entering into something that the Gentiles would have had to do to be a part of what they were a part of, this vehicle to bring about the Messiah. And all of a sudden, what we see is Jewish people are now entering into a practice as they are baptized not not into the family of God, but baptized in preparation of, of, of God coming into their lives. So th this is a very new thing for the Jewish people. It goes on to say, But when he saw, John, when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to where he was baptized, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? 
produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the foot of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. It's very interesting because uh, John's baptism that he's calling people into, one of the things that's happening is, of course, it's now being administered to the Jews. But another thing is that it's not being self-administered. John is doing this baptism, which is very different. The Gentiles would bathe themselves. And finally, one of the things that John is warning the people of is this eschatological um, uh, reality, which is... um, Eschatology is the study of the end times, how the world's going to end according to the Bible and that sort of thing. And in his eschatology, he's saying, listen, this baptism, this receiving of this king that is to come is necessary to flee from the coming wrath of God. The wrath of God essentially being those that are disconnected from relationship with God, those that haven't received what Jesus did for them on the cross. But all that is to come, and he's saying all this, and he's saying to the Jewish people that are coming that have no intention of repentance, he's saying, listen, just because you have a history of religion in your family, that is not what's going to save you. For a lot of us watching right here, the thing that we need to understand that it is not our good morals, it is not our religiosity, it is not our family's faith, it is not our parents' faith, it is not a grandparent's faith, it is not something that we did in our past that's going to save us. It is an active surrendering to the personhood of Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross that will save us. He's saying, listen, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. What does that mean? That in order to have um, spiritual fruit and a spiritual byproduct that is worth um, uh, is is worth um, uh, sharing with the world. We need to keep with repentance. It's not just about repenting once and putting it right. You can receive Jesus once, but from that place, we need to continue to repent of of the sins that come forth in our life and continue to turn back in the direction of Jesus as our sanctification continues to happen in our life, and that is how we will see fruit in our lives. John shows such courage in in speaking out to the Pharisees, which was a large group of people during this time. He shows such courage in this moment, and yet he shows such humility in the next when he says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, which is to say, For those of us that come into, well, for all of humanity, as we come into contact with Jesus, we will either be filled with his spirit as we accept what Jesus did for us, or we will be destroyed by fire because there are only two options in the end of this whole thing. One is to spend eternity with God and the other is to spend eternity apart from him in hell. He goes on to say, his winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear the flesh, the threshing floor, gathering the wheat into the barn, those that accept him, and burning up the shaft with unquenchable fire, those who reject him. There's so much that we could say about this passage. And yet when I reflect on the person of John, I see a call to us as the church today to continue to take up what John was doing, to prepare the way for Jesus. So often I think that it's the way in which we act as Christians and the things that we say that often don't bring people closer to Jesus but actually push people further away. And this old cliche that we are the only Bible that some people are going to read, that is unfortunately for some of us the absolute truth. 
because for some people they will never open up a Bible but they will actually be looking at your life and I wonder today if we have surrendered our lives to a point where where John uh, what, what John the Baptist whole focus his whole purpose of being on earth was was to prepare a way for Jesus if we see that as our purpose as we relate to Jesus as well we are to enjoy God but we are also to bring glory to him and we are to to our neighbors and friends and family to live in such a way that prepares their heart for the person that of Jesus that we have accepted in our own lives I love that John steps out with courage to speak to a world and say hey repentance is necessary but in humility he reminds himself that he's not even fit to carry the sandals of the Messiah that is coming it is through courageous humility that we can actually reach a world that we find ourselves in today. For so many people, they think it's just courage. And therefore, if I just say all the things and, and get off of, uh, off of my heart the guilt of not saying enough in the world that we live in, and if I just tell people where they're at and judge people and everything else, and if I just work up enough courage to do those things, then I'm doing the work of God. But it's through courageous humility that people are actually, uh, that we're actually able to prepare the way for God. That we're not just saying the things that we think we need to say, but we're actually saying it in the way that Jesus would have us say it. Uh, John doesn't lose his, his um, posture and, and reality of humility in his preparation for the way of the Lord, in his preparation for Jesus to come. And my question to us as we learn all of these interesting things about what Matthew is writing, um, is that we would also take on the heart of John the Baptist that we're also reading, which is to understand that there is, amongst all of the craziness that happens in the world, that sometimes it is necessary to pull out from all the noise, to go out into the wilderness, and allow God to impact our souls, that we might prepare a way for those around us and bring others into the family of God by His power. If you're here today, and maybe you've never, never, um, considered receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. What does Lord and Savior mean? It, it means making Him king of your life and allowing Him to be Savior of your life. Lord and Savior. What this means is accepting what Jesus did for us on the cross. The cross has become a symbol that is so misused within culture today. And yet it's a symbol that really, it, I mean, it's a, it's a torture symbol to represent uh, a, 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 a way of, of, of killing sinners. And Jesus went to this place. He went to the cross. And he paid a sinner's death so that you and I could be brought back in relationship with God. This is the beauty of the story of Jesus. And my question to you today, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, to make him Lord and Savior, is would you consider making that decision today? To orient your life in humility towards God and saying, God, I, I want to follow you. May you, may, may I receive the gift of salvation. If that's you today, I'm just going to encourage you, if you're watching live online, to hit that button that says raise a hand. If you're watching at a later date online or you're watching right now uh, uh, with somebody else or you're watching in the Coburg group or, or in Elmira, Cambridge, I just ask that you raise a hand. And uh, right now, I just ask that, um, that uh, as you raise that hand, that you allow me to, to pray for you. Um, as you make this wonderful decision to follow Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for people that are making this decision all over the place. God, every single Sunday in our church and other churches, God, people are deciding to follow you and accepting the gift of salvation. Jesus, I pray right now that your spirit would be poured out on these individuals making this decision, that they would understand that you, are, uh, that you died for them and that you care for them 
and that you want to guide them through your spirit. So God, from this day forward, may they understand that your spirit is leading them and equipping them, convicting them and helping them transform into your ways and uh, that you will never leave them nor forsake them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a moment, Pastor Jared will give you some more instructions if you made that decision. For those of us that uh, we're, we, we didn't make that decision or maybe we did make that decision, I just want to ask that final question. How much lately have you been um, uh, living out your calling, as, as John did, to live in such a way to lead others to Jesus? We can't save anybody. Jesus is the only one that can save. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can make that happen. But we have a part to play in preparing the way for Jesus. And I just wonder today, if you're, you're um, sitting somewhere, you're just going, you know what, I, I lose focus of that in my life. You get too concerned with other matters and business and all those things are within the realm of what God wants to do through you and his spirit will work with you in those things. But we need to do it in conjunction with preparing a way for Jesus, with confidence, with courage, and with humility. And so if you're here today and you're just saying, hey, could you pray that I would have the courage and humility to prepare the way for Jesus? If that's you, could you just raise a hand? I want to pray for you. Jesus, I thank you for those that are raising their hands right now. Um, God, one thing that I'm really thankful for in our church is that we're, this is a hungry bunch, so to speak. A hungry group of people that are, are, are really looking for, uh, for them to be used, and I include myself in that, to be used um, by you to spread your goodness and your love on this earth, to point people back to you. And as John has showed us today, to prepare a way for you. Jesus, I pray that you would use us. God, may you instill in us courage and humility. God, may it not just be so humble that we're not saying anything, and may we not be so courageous that we don't consider that those that we are trying to be courageous towards are made in your image. God, give us a measure of your spirit that allows us to do this well and and hold these two things in tension and in the balance. God, we're thankful for what you're doing in our church, and we're thankful for what you're continuing to do in our province. We pray that you would um, be with us as we go from this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, church, I love you. I'm thankful that uh, you tuned in today, and I pray that you would have a blessed week. Make sure you're actively engaged in your local, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.